You're listening to the Behind the Tee podcast hosted by your favorite club curlers, Rob and Kelly. The show where we share our thoughts on what's happening in the curling world with the internet. But let's be real, we end up talking about football half the time anyways. All right, we're back. Apologies for my croaky voice today. (laughs) Apparently now when I go out and drink one pint of beer, that uh, puts me over the edge. (laughs) I am a disaster the next morning. We've been living under curfew for, it feels like two years. I know it's only been about a month, right? But it's weird to, uh, we're so used to this normally and now. Like putting a pair of pants on to actually go out to a bar to watch the Super Bowl and eat food and and drink and come home at a reasonable hour and I'm still dead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's a combination of that or I'm just getting really old. Just think about it's going to be like Kelly when we resume curling this week. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is that is that for whatever reason, you can go to a pub, but the bar can't at the curling club cannot open until March. So different rules, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the bar I went to was a restaurant technically. So like bars are still closed, but as long as it's a restaurant, then they can open. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, Unfortunately, the Bengals did not win. They were so close and I was so sad. (laughs) I know it was a tough game to watch. And um, well, pretty much everybody I know was cheering for Cincinnati. Oh, at the bar, like it was, I mean, packed as much as it could have been. And I think there were like two people cheering for LA. Everyone else was for the Bengals. I know. And I I had a hard time with it too, because honestly, I just wanted a good game and Mm -hmm. we got that. It was a pretty good game. Actually, you know what? It it was really boring compared to some of the other games. It was a good game. And yet the other games were so crazy. I was just like, what? No overtime? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait, the Bengals have a minute and a half to score a touchdown. They can, or like a field goal. Like they can do that, right? And then unfortunately. When LA took the lead, I was like, okay, well, Cincinnati is definitely going to take the lead back. It's just Mm -hmm. how much time will they give it back? Will they leave for LA and then wait, they didn't get that first down? The game's over? I What the heck? So had they gone that first down, they probably could have. One. They were they were in decent field go- yeah. uh, field position. It could have uh, they would have had a chance to tie the game. Their kicker is really good, but I guess we should say like we are all what I'm going to call uh, bandwagon Bengals. Yep. I think that a couple of months will go by and you and I will forget. Oh yeah, what was that team in the Super Bowl again? But I felt really bad because one of my colleagues at work is a humongous Cincinnati Bengals fan. I've known her for five years, and she is um she's been a Bengals fan from day one. The important question here is. Why? I'm not quite sure. Is she from Cincinnati? <laughs> no, no, she's from Montreal. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. But I think the way it works is uh, you you adopt an NFL team. Some people do. Um, like you've sort of adopted a team, but you're not passionate about it, right? Like you, I've seen you with the Packers and with uh, the Patriots. But... Okay, no, no, no. The Patriots are my team, but I have like side teams that I'll cheer for when the Patriots aren't playing. They're still my team. But you're not like watching every game, painting your face kind of fan. Like, uh, I don't think my colleague is either. But she's really into the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, that's something that'll test your patience because the Bengals have been a very, very mediocre at best team for pretty much the last 30 years. So uh, to see her team actually make it to the Super Bowl, we were all so excited. And uh, I ran into her today and it was a tough day for everybody (laughs) down at the office. But what can you do? It's uh, it's fun when you're not that invested, but when you're really, really into a team and for them to get so close. The, the way I tried to console her, and I mean, I know this wasn't going to work, was that, hey, Joe Burrow is really, really young. And um, if he doesn't get sacked eight times, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he has a, 
a, a really good game. I mean, he had a good game to begin with, but like maybe if uh, he actually had time to throw the ball, right? Uh, they could have put up more points. So I think the future is bright for Cincinnati. One thing that this playoff season has taught me is um, that Joe Burrow is pretty cool. And I think uh, he'll definitely be on my my watch of like QBs because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is out the window now. Tom Brady retired. Oh, yeah. All the other like OG guys are, are all done. I, I remind you people, we are a curling podcast. You wouldn't know. But um, before we get to anything curling, you and I never acknowledged the news on the podcast that Tom Brady retired. Did we not? Did we just talk about this? <laughs> It was on in our notes and there was there's been so much curly news the last two weeks that we have never actually brought that up. You know what? Okay, the day that someone announced his retirement and then the day that he actually announced his retirement, I got like six messages from people being like, Oh my god, did you see Tom Brady retire? Because everyone knows that knows I'm a Patriots fan. And I'm I was retired, like yep. sorry, a little segue here to something actually curling related. Do you know a message I keep getting? every Olympic cycle or every like world championship is that video of those stupid beavers on playing curling oh yeah that rock I've already gotten three messages and I'm like this video is like four years old I know I've I've been getting that too they're like have you seen this is so funny and I'm like yes yes I have seen it it's hilarious we have to just nod and smile right like there's nothing else you can do Yeah, so actually, so while we're talking about Tom Brady and his retirement, um, some page, I I didn't care much because for me, Tom Brady retired once he left the Patriots. His time at the Buccaneers means nothing to me. But some more diehard Patriot fans were actually a little offended that he didn't really acknowledge the Patriots in his retirement message. Yeah, I, I get that. It was a little bit like, oh, the Buccaneers, you're great, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you spent two years with them. Okay, you won one Super Bowl. But your career, your legacy was built with the Patriots. Yeah. So it felt a little bit of a snub. And I get it. He did his whole departure with the Patriots. But like, this was a departure of your career. And this is why I'm annoyed that he went to the Buccaneers for an extra two years. It's like, you'll be remembered as a Buccaneer now when... 90% 90% of your career was done with the Patriots. We're, we're only feeling that because it happened a couple of weeks ago. That's no true. one is going to even remember his days in Tampa Bay when we they look better back not. <laughs> of course not. No, like Tampa Bay fans will and they'll try to brag that, oh, this is the only place that he played. But there's no way that everybody will always associate him with the Patriots. My thing was I was actually because I'm not a huge fan of uh, either team. I don't really care. But and I used to cheer against the Patriots uh, many years did. ago. I know. Yeah. But then something crossed over in me and I just like kind of stood back in awe and I was like, you know what? He's amazing. I'm going to enjoy this. And the thing that I'm actually kind of sad about is that he's been that fixture in the league for over 20 years of being really, really, really good. And the interesting thing is he could still come back next year and whoop everybody. Mm -hmm. Like he is still as good as ever. It's just um, I think the real reason he's stepping away is that he doesn't want to have a mediocre season. Like the fear of having a mediocre season is going to be a lot for him. And also I I do respect this is that at the end of his career, he doesn't want to spend time on a not so great team or a team that's rebuilding. Like if he has um, an incredible offer to go quarterback a really, really, really good team that all they're missing is just the guy to throw the ball. I think he would have left Tampa and would have gone wherever that is. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also I think it's okay too to like retire at your peak or like not necessarily your peak, but before you really, you know, no one, especially anyone like Tom Brady wants to retire on their last season when they go like three and 
10 or something, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like you don't want to, you don't want to fade away. Exactly. It's better to cut it short before it degrades. So I agree. I just, as a fan of watching how good he is, I'm going to miss it. I was mm-hmm. kind of disappointed because I know that he could still come back and own everybody. Yeah. Well, I think, well, Tom Brady retired this year. Drew Brees retired last year. Aaron Rodgers, is he going to retire next year? I don't know. I can't decide whether I want that, by the way, because I've been so annoyed with everything about him. It's like, I just want him to go away somewhere. <laughs> but I feel like now we've kind of, we're closing an, a chapter in the era of quarterback football players. And now with like Joe Burr, uh, sorry, keep on Joe, Joe Burrow and- <laughs> It was really cold yesterday. <laughs> Did you see my Instagram story? I was like pretty proud of that one. I laughed at that. But you know what, Joe Burrow, um, Patrick Mahomes, um, Trevor Lawrence, if he ever leaves the Jaguars, like oh, you, no. you, we're, <laughs> we're getting like a new wave of quarterbacks. I know, and it'll be good. And um, yeah. and you know, I just want to say like, because uh, I actually can draw a comparison to curling here, although I'm not really proud of it, but I kind of think of Tom Brady and Jennifer Jones in the same vein because seven Super Bowls, seven tournament. Uh, actually, no, Jones is on six tournament of hearts. That's not a good comparison. I would compare... Tom Brady to Kevin Martin. Yeah, because Kevin yeah. Martin stepped away. And I just want to actually say, I think next week we'll queue up the Briar because the Briar's still a couple of weeks away. But the other person I keep thinking of like that is Glenn Howard. Uh, right. Glenn has no intention of retiring, it would appear. And the great thing about that in curling is that you're not taking anybody's job. Mm-hmm. So if you're still willing to play down, I and say winning? go for it. Yeah. And um, guess who won Ontario, Kells? Glenn Howard. Sort of. Um, apparently, he didn't play like his knee was shot, but his son took over. <laughs> yeah, I saw his too. <laughs> what did Wayne Madaw sub in? <laughs> no, um, it was Adam Spencer. Wayne Madaw is actually, uh, hey, we're finally getting into the Olympics. Wayne Madaw is coaching Team Hasselberg in Beijing. Oh, right, uh, right, right. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, the, who won each province next week. But yesterday, they upset John Epping. Oh, uh, so they're a good team. Yeah, they are. And hopefully Glenn will play at the Briar and uh, this will be his 48th Briar, I'm pretty sure, or something <laughs> like that. But you know what? Why stop? If you're enjoying this, you don't take the job away from anybody. So That's I say true. go for it. Yeah, no, it's true. I just from a fan's perspective, I'm just a little tired of seeing Glenn Howard. <laughs> But you know, think- it's but you you have a good point though. Like he's winning and he earned his right to be there. So okay, well let's let's uh, take this in a different direction then, um, because I I feel okay. I I don't know if you maybe we should cut this out, but I've not gotten tired of Glenn Howard. Somebody who I did get tired of over the years uh, was Randy Furby. Um, <laughs> I felt he clinged on to things for way too long, and especially because the first time he burst out on well, not the first time, but like when he won his briar with the the foursome that he had of like Nettahin, Rock, and Pfeiffer. That was supposed to be a one-off thing. When they won that Briar in, I don't know, 2001 or something, that was supposed to be it. He was supposed to retire after that. And then he stayed around for another seemingly 15 years or so. And granted, most of them, he was just that good. There was no reason to retire. But I don't know, little things with him started to rub me the wrong way. It's hard to quote any of them particularly because it's a long time ago. I don't remember, but... It's also hard to retire on a high, like on a win, right? Kind of same with Jennifer Jones. Like, had she not won the spot to the Olympics? Would she come back next year? I don't know. I don't know. And... Also, we'll get to this. The Olympics aren't going that great for her. No, like she's in the middle of it right now. Like she's got a a chance. Um, 
I have to be completely honest with you, Kelly. I love the Olympics and I have been so busy with things that I am not doing a good job of keeping track. <laughs> okay. Hey, this is a common problem with curling. Do you know how hard it is to find the standings online? Oh, I, I searched know. a good like 15 minutes and I finally found them on the Olympic website, but I had to do a lot of clicking and then there was a lot of advertisement pop-ups and I just got so annoyed. And I'm like, it should not be this hard to find the standings of an Olympic event. I just, just had like, it on my TV a few minutes ago. I should have taken a screenshot of it. <laughs> That's actually easier. I guess, do you want to just jump right into it and into the standings? Sure. Okay. So yeah, uh, me as well. I have not been watching a lot of curling. I watched a couple of games last week, like the 8 p.m. draws. Mm -hmm. So I think I caught one men's game and one women's game. And if anything, they're a little more exciting than the than what we watch at the Scotties. I find like there's a little more rocks in play. Yeah, like um, I've I've enjoyed it from what I've seen. It's not been very much. All right, so let's just go straight into the standings uh, right now. As of Monday today, they've played six games. And it's a round robin. So it's like 10 teams round robin. So they have four more Nine games. Nine games. So three more to go. Jeez, math today. Um, and the top four progressed to the semifinals. Right. Um, so number one no right page now. page playoff at the Olympics either. Semifinals. Like one versus four, two versus three. You better win that semi. Yeah. Yep. No second chance. Nuh-uh. Hey, Olympics, we're not messing around here. I love it. At number one with uh, five wins is Switzerland, which... Switzerland recently, like, I, I'm not surprised that they're at the top. They're a very good team. But, like, was it at the past Worlds where they were not performing really well? Or is it the Europeans? They, like... It was the Europeans. I think they were make pretty the good at the Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Both Swiss teams didn't make the playoffs or something. It was very abnormal. Something like that. But I guess they had some kind of, like, uh, let's not peak at this time kind of mentality. Well, it worked out for Seems them. Seems to be working so far. Yeah. And then another surprise but i don't know we don't see this team very often but japan is a uh, japan sweden and the usa are tied for second place with four wins and two losses okay there's a three-way tie for fifth place so these are the teams that are like in contention to get that fourth playoff spot is canada great britain and republic of korea okay and then we have at the bottom who have already been essentially eliminated. eliminated yeah the People's Republic of China, Denmark, and the Russian Olympic Committee. Now, that to me is the shocker that Russia is this bad. Yes and no. Again, Russia is one of those teams that like some years they just surprise us and they make it to the playoffs and some years they just don't. Oh, but to be winless? Like, are they still winless? Yeah, they're 0-6. I didn't think it'd be that bad. But you know what? Like, one of the things I like about the Olympics is um, the world championships that we normally have have what? Like... 16 teams or something like that it's got a lot of teams and the world's it's not that number yeah the world's they've expanded in recent years like and i think they added even more last year because of covid or something i don't know last year is such a blur but they definitely have more than 10 they have and i think they have more than 12 as well they i think it's 13 or 14 whatever it's a lot of teams you're gonna get a couple of teams in there that maybe um are not quite performing at that level, you're going to get some teams that you know are going to be non-contenders. Whereas here at the Olympics, the field is a lot more concentrated and mm -hmm. you are going to get a country that you normally associate with greatness finishing near the bottom. Uh, four years ago, it was Team Canada, at least on the women's side. Uh, somebody had to miss the playoffs and that time around it was Canada. This time it could be, uh, I don't know, Great Britain maybe. 
Yeah, and I mean, we say here RSC, they're 0-6, but I've also haven't been following the games at all. Like some of these losses could have been, it came down to the last shot or something like that, you know? It wasn't necessarily blowaways. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's their jackets. Okay, <laughs> can you hold that comment for when we get there? Yes, uh, stay with us. We've got jacket comments coming up. ROC is going to be one of them. Yeah, but no, you make a good point. I mean, I think Canada, like the days of Canada just automatically getting a medal are gone. And I don't think they're going to come back anytime soon. The rest of the world has caught up to Canada, essentially, is what I'm saying. If not surpassed us. I mean, we had a big talk about that last week when we were talking about the mixed doubles and how the vibe that we both got is that it's a bit of an afterthought in Canada and a bit might be a little bit of an understatement. But then I was thinking like, you know what, Kelly, we should just do whatever Italy does. Like the way they rolled through the mixed doubles thing is unprecedented. And uh, they made it look easy. And I think it's pretty similar for the regular curling too. We can learn a few things by looking at what other countries do. I don't want to adopt some of the things they do. Like I hate how Sweden declares their team and that's the only team that exists, even though there's other people that curl there. That I hate and I hope we never go down that road. But just in terms of other aspects of the game, I think it's time for us to maybe, I don't know, get off our high horse and look at what other countries are doing. Oh, they're coming to Canada to compete. (laughs) No, but okay. Also in your comment of last week, when you're like, um, are the teams competing too much? Like they should take a step back and not be at their full-time jobs. The rest of the world, these are their full-time jobs. Like they're hired by the country to be curlers. So I suppose, and uh, maybe it works out better for them. I guess it's the caught in the middle between our, the curlers in Canada, even though, I mean, do they really have jobs? Not really. I call it, they have a side gig. But I still think it takes a toll on them. I remember reading, um, I won't mention the curler in particular here, but I remember reading a blog by a curler more at our level who ran into one of these elite curlers in the airport and commented that they looked exhausted. Oh, yeah. That they were just um, running around with a stroller in one hand, a curling, like a broom bag in the other hand, running to catch a flight. And it's just this constant being in an airport Mm -hmm. mentality that has to, I think, take its toll at some point. There's definitely, you have to find the right balance, but having a job and curling at the same time is not balance. Now, speaking of balance, we're all over the map today here, but uh, I got a question for you because you sent me something very interesting. Uh, Ben Hebert had some choice words for how people approach uh, the Olympics and mixed doubles. So this was on another podcast. Uh, ben, you're still always welcome on ours. But what was he? It was about, in his opinion, and he was pretty harsh. Like you should not go for both the mixed doubles and the regular play, which of course in Canada you cannot. But he was saying other countries are foolish to allow that. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with him, to be honest. I think the one thing that resonated with me though is he said if Kui's team had won the right to go to the Olympics and that John was also going to play the mixed doubles, they would have been okay with that. And to be honest, if I were Hebert, I would also be not okay with having one of my players play the mixed doubles. Not just in the sense that like they might be a little more exhausted at the start of the traditional like four-man game, but you just lost a week right before the biggest competition of your life without your full team. They arrived to Beijing ahead of time. You have like, you know, they're in the the Olympic bubble, if you will, like mindset, but you don't have your full team. And another good point that he said is, again, this is all like, it could go either way because you, you know, 
life happens. You you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But and I think this happened with uh, Bruce Muet. Let's say you have a devastating loss for the gold medal, or you just miss out the, to make the playoffs, and mentally that's going to take a toll on you. And now you have to like within the span of a day now go play with your team and kind of restart. Yeah, they're professional athletes in the sense, and they train for this. But at the end of the day, you're also human, and you're not at the best oh, of your. No. <laughs> I know. You know what I'm thinking. Yeah, but we're all human at the end of the day, and like sports psychology is a big thing. And you're just—I would be annoyed if, not to say that it's—they're definitely going to react like that. But I would be annoyed if a player on my team is not at the best, not playing in the best way, or are not in the right mind frame because they had a devastating loss because they played another event. I would be kind of pissed. So I, I kind of agree with Ben Hebert on that point. Well, don't put the blame on me here, but um, <laughs> I had to, sorry. I kind of agree too. Like um, I've kind of gone back and forth on that. Um, my real attitude is I don't care. It's never going to affect me anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, but I get his point. And uh, I think you can do both. I think you can win a gold in both. It's possible. And I always think that people get a very narrow vision of what it takes to be successful. And um I think, I don't know, I would think that maybe you can. he could be a little bit more open-minded on the issue here. However, he does have a very good point, and he knows more than I do, so I, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, you can definitely win both events. That's that's not a, a thing, but I think when, when you come from a country where you have so many options, it's not like Italy, let's say, or actually, that's not a, a good example, but like, let's say you have a country where you have a very limited pool of elite curlers okay like that's your situation but in Canada we have a huge pool and again at the end of the day it's you can make the decision as a player like am I okay playing both events but your decision also affects other people that's why like I think um because we were uh we we did a little bit of complaining last week but we without offering I guess a little bit of complaining we do a lot of complaining (laughs) that's what we're known for actually now that I think of it I I've got a bit of a I think a decent answer here. And I want to go back to the old days. I know this will never happen. But when mixed doubles was first becoming a thing, none of the big name curlers that we know in Canada were were anywhere near this. And I kind of think that I kind of want to return to that is the impression that I'm getting because I just I don't think it's smart to pursue but they're they're different sports. And I think that um, they require different approaches. And I'm not saying that you can't do both in that sense. I'm I mean, I'm not even saying I disagree with Ben. It's just you can pursue both. The problem is, is that uh, I think 99% of the elite curlers we're talking about pursue their regular teams way, way, way more. And then they're just like, oh, so we failed to qualify for this. Let's enter one doubles tournament and we'll be good for the Olympics. Right. I think it was bad for mixed doubles that Brad Gushu and Kerry Einerson, nothing against them, but I think it was bad that they won last year. Bad is a stretch, but you know what I mean? Here are my thoughts. I think because Canada really lagged behind the rest of the world in terms of mixed doubles, like mixed doubles really kicked off in Europe because it was great for those countries that had a smaller pool of players to pick from. So I think having those like elite curlers adopt mixed doubles was good initially because it just put mixed doubles on the map and kind of made it a real sport, if you will. So it kind of like 
you know, brought it to the forefront. Everyone's like, oh my God, mixed doubles is awesome. And now I think that now that's done, we kind of need to pull back and have a new wave of players. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Who will be committed 100% of the time to to mixed doubles. I think that's where we have to, we're at that point where we have to separate the two and you pick one avenue. If you want to play mixed doubles for fun, cool but if you want to go to the olympics and we have players like that so we're just kind of in that in-between phase right now i wish ben had said that (laughs) ben come on on our podcast repeat what you said and then just add that little bit yeah yeah all right so let's go into the men's and you said that italy was doing great in mixed doubles well i don't know the men must be drinking some some different water because (laughs) they're not doing as as good kind of landed right into ben's point right uh success in one thing is probably gonna come at your expense in the other thing so um, right but, but also like super tough field let's be honest Seriously. Okay. So number one, we have, uh, so they've also all played six games as of today. So Sweden, number one with six wins undefeated, followed by Great Britain with five and one, Canada at four and two, and tied for fourth, we have ROC, Switzerland, and the United States of America with three and three. And then the rest of the pack, uh, Republic of China, Norway, Denmark, and Italy, who most likely will not make playoff contention can i just bring up a very quick this is not random moment here uh in that i saw in one of the games like before i went to bed it was on super late at night i think it was norway versus sweden i don't know if anybody out there saw this but um norway was in an extra end against sweden and they actually had hammer okay i believe or if it was tied in the tent no it was it was an extra end norway had hammer and they're peeling away their guards and uh, shades of that uh, one-two or that semifinal at the Tournament of Hearts. They completely botch one of their peels, and oh, they leave this no. perfect centerline guard. And Nicholas Adin draws around it, and now they're probably going to lose. But anyways, on Adin's last shot, he tries to draw another one behind it, and if he tucks it really well, game over. There is nothing because I think Norway's got a hail mary run back. And anyways, so he makes it, and Norway's only shot, and I think it's there, is he can see a little bit of the rock. He can slam it, double them out, but he's going to lose his shooter. Oh, so go another. <laughs> and I was going, I that little thing in the graphic that I kept laughing at that says first extra end. It might. <laughs> second extra end unfortunately it's a moot point because he's flashed the whole thing i think it was a pretty easy shot too and he missed it entirely but we nearly had a 12th end would it would that have been a first a second extra end i've been a part of one or two of them uh but i've never seen it on tv yeah neither have i interesting it's uh i it was an interesting moment so yeah random aside there yeah well i think the men's uh standings as they are now are quite expected like there's no surprises really just maybe roc they're like a new team and again hit or miss depending on uh but if i remember the uh play last year in the bubble in uh chattanooga they did well um they did really well (laughs) oh wait was it wasn't it in prince george i'm just gonna come up with a new city every time (laughs) all right (laughs) But yeah, they were really good last year. Is it the same team? I yeah, it's the same team. It's the guy with the blonde hair. Oh, and that guy who doesn't zip up his jacket. Yes, yes. (laughs) Remember that was a thing. Now that you said that, can we just segue into clothing here? Our favorite topic. Let's get this out of the. Let's get the boring stuff out of the way. I think Brad Gushu is where we thought he'd be. Like yeah, couple wins, couple losses. But I think honestly, um, he is. If there's one team you had to say that has separated themselves from the rest of the field in Canada over the last five years, I would say him. Kevin Cooey is right up there. 
There's, of course, teams that can beat Gushu back home, but I think he is the undisputed best Canadian team over the last five years. I'm not going to say that about Jennifer Jones. I think everything kind of went right for her at the trials, and I think it's starting to show. Like, uh, I know she's still in the thick of things, but from the, the curling I've seen, and it's not been very much, I've not been impressed. I think they've looked quite shaky, and they're getting away with it. I completely agree with you. Gushu, by far, I think in the past four years, you can say it is the best team in Canada. Jones, I would not have said that at the start of this year. And yeah, I agree. I think she, and this happens a lot in curling, Um, kind of happened with New Brunswick. They just really got hot that week. Think the stars yeah. aligned and it's hard to keep that going. So before we say anything else that's inappropriate or rude, let's move on to clothing. <laughs> Kelly is itching to get to the uniforms. Are we going to get one of your rants? I'm looking forward to this. I don't know. I haven't had time to come up with a proper rant. Oh, let me just get the world curling. They posted a post with every team so you can get like a nice view of their jackets. You might have some dead air here, but I'm going to do this with you because I don't think I've seen them. So, or not all of them. So this is the World Curling Federation on Instagram. Yeah, just world curling. And let's start with Canada since they're the first team. I think I remember seeing this, like, but I never scrolled through the pictures. Like, there's, they're all like kind of standing in a triangle, yeah, right? Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. I mean, oh, here it is. Oh, God. I hate this pose. So, Canada, obviously, Dynasty was involved. And the same problem we have every year, and my same critique every year is that there's just too many design elements that do not go well together. It's just a clash of, hey, let's see what kind of things we can add and wear. And then that's it. I agree. Part of me likes this because it, it's honoring Indigenous heritage. And that part I'm fully in, in support of. But I agree with you. It's like other jackets we've complained of, it's very disjointed. And the part that I hate the most, Kelly, is the uh, the maple leaf on their upper arm. Like just below the shoulder. And it's cut off. That's it. Yeah, it's cut off. And also, it's horribly stretched. It's like a maple leaf you could wrap a square around. And imagine stretching a picture vertically uh-huh. and then lopping off the top of it. And then right next to it, have you noticed the ninja slashes on the shoulder? So they move from across the jets to on each shoulder. And then we have the chevron arrows. Which, ah, oh, that, that I'm not sure about. I Actually, I am sure. I'm not big on that. Alone, fine. But then you have these like more red slashes going up the torso. Then you have these faded trees along the bottom torso. And then on the arm, you have a bunch of um, Native American art design, which every piece in itself is not bad, but all together just look disjointed like you said it is it's too much and i i think really my big thing is that the maple leaf on the shoulder is just horribly awkward and one more comment because one thing about the olympics is that everybody's got two jackets they've got a colored or in canada there's actually three they've got a red a black and a white they wear the white when they throw yellow rocks and most of the games i've seen with canada have involved them wearing the white jackets and those are even worse because those maple leaves at least my first thought was i can't see them as well they're gray but then i was like it looks like they're wet. It looks like they're water stains on their arms. And so the next picture, in complete contrast to that, is China. Yes, I like the I Chinese jacket. I love it. I guess like a dark gray ombre at the bottom, and then it just fades into just a white top. And then there's like gold detailing on the arm. And their colored ones are the same, except it, it gradients into red. 
Yeah. Kind of funny because you and I spent two, like two weeks ago, we were saying at the Tournament of Hearts how much we hate these gradients. And now I'm like, I like it here. It's done well. And that's the thing. Maybe it's just my personal taste, but I just like a simple design with one element that's put into like the forefront, you know, focus on one element. I agree. And from what I've seen, there's actually a little bit more intrinsic detail to it, but like, it's not, it's it subtle. doesn't jump out. It's so subtle. The The writing on their jackets is in gold, which I think lo looks really cool, at least on the red ones. I'm mm -hmm. China's my favorite so far. And then we go into Denmark. Again, Denmark's pretty basic. No complaints. Maybe it's just a little too basic. Not bad though. It's not bad. I don't hate it. Same. Okay. Great Britain. This I love as oh. well. It's and it, maybe it's just like representative of like the countries itself, but like you know the Brits are very um, tame people <laughs> and proper, <laughs> and that's okay. what it is. It's just you know they have it's one plain color. The one thing I don't like is that I don't know if you noticed, but they don't actually have a jacket. It's like um what do you call it? Like it's a, like actually a long sleeve shirt and um, thing, yeah, a pullover, which I don't like. But on the back they just have like the GBR or their name and then like the symbol of a. I think it's a lion head they have. I'm not big on the uh, Great Britain ones, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, because they look like something that we could have picked up at Walmart. That's true. And I mean, again, I'm on your side. I like minimalism. But when I look at that and I say, I could buy something like that for 20 bucks, I go like, eh, yeah, maybe we could do a little bit better. That's why I like Denmark more than Great Britain. Uh, then we for the men's, we have Italy, which just looks very Italian. It looks like a soccer shirt. Yeah, that placement, of, like it's blue, and I kind of like the Italian blue soccer jerseys. That placement of the Italian flag on their shoulder is a little weird. We'll see another country who did something similar. <laughs> and, then... and then we've got Norway, and you know what I'm going to say. What? I know where everybody in Norway is probably rolling their eyes right now, but such boring pants. I know. <laughs> and what hurts the most is that there's Torger right there in that picture. <laughs> I know, I am. To see Torger in regular pants is just... But their, their outfits look quite like the Great Britain ones. They're pretty plain. Yeah. Maybe they were expecting them to wear crazy pants so they didn't want to go all out on the shirts, you know? <laughs> That's it, yeah. And so if you go down to the women's, another country, like, see, this is also one thing. It's minimalist, but there's like a pop of an element is South Korea, where they kind of had the red and the blue just go across the chest and the rest of the shirt is just white. Yeah, I like I that. I kind of like it. And then we've got ROC, is that right? Yeah. Okay, do you know what this makes me think of? They want to be Transformers. Like, I feel <laughs> like they're about to, like, morph into, like, a big Transformer thing. I don't know what they're called, but... It's hard for me to describe because they've got their arms folded across their chest here. But it's they've got this weird... It's very futuristic, spacey looking, don't you I find? Know. I'm having the hardest time describing it. I think that I'm not going to be able to do better than that. The Transformers thing. It's really awkward. I, yeah. I like the colors. I think it's interesting, but it's really, really, it's too weird. It doesn't look like a tr traditional sports jacket. Maybe it's part of the punishment of having your country be banned from the Olympics that you have to wear this ridiculous uniform. Maybe. We're going to test all the new weird techniques on you. I think it looks worse in white as well. It's like a jacket a five-year-old kid would wear. <laughs> And then we've got like Sweden, right? Which I actually like. It's okay. Yeah. Sweden, I've been saying for a while, has really mailed it in on the uniform front. Yeah. They're, they, they too look like they went to Walmart for their uniforms. And here it's a little bit better. It's still, in my opinion, is a bit too minimalist, but 
it's an improvement. I don't know. I like it. I like the color selection. Like they really went with the navy blue um, and the yellow. And Sweden's always been pretty minimalistic, I guess. I mean, they still have the three crowns on the back, which I love. I think they did away with that, though, on the ones that they really like at the Worlds last year. I was so unimpressed. I think even those were gone. Yeah, it was awful. No, they need to keep the, the three crowns. But no, I like it. I like I would wear this. I would be happy to wear this at the Olympics. Yeah. Transformer jerseys? No. But this I would be. <laughs> what about Switzerland? Another by nature very minimalist approach that uh I would say have shed that tradition here. I don't know how I feel about them. <laughs> so, okay, one big thing that they have is well, obviously the like the Swiss cross, right? So they kind of have that all sprinkled over their sleeve, which I actually think is nice. I do like that. Yeah. And I also like the thing that they have going on at the bottom. But like with Canada, I don't know if I like the two of them together. I'm having a hard time. I like it just because I'm so used to them having the same exact thing. This is a pretty big departure. So I like it. But the more I think about it, I'm like, eh, maybe not. I would still rather wear this over Team Canada's clothes. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not big on the Canada one. I think what would have looked better is keep the sleeves as they are with all the crosses. But the bottom, I would have just maybe done like, because right now they have like the, the zigzags of the red on the white. I probably would have done away with that and just have it like white and then yeah. the red at the top or just all red. I guess I kind of like it because you could do so badly with that cross. You could make it like have have it come out both arms and have like the bottom part be the torso and like <laughs> you could be crucified if you lose. Exactly. <laughs> if anybody's listening, by the way, I have a great idea. We should be designing Olympic jerseys here. Yeah. Uh, send us a whole pile of money and we will design your jersey. You will not be disappointed. So this one, I don't know how I feel because looking at the picture of Team USA. I actually kind of like it, but watching it on TV, the colors look a lot paler and it doesn't look as good on TV. So I don't know if the image, what we see in the image is the true color because I really like the color on the image. The red at the bottom looks a lot more pink when I watch it on TV and the blue too. It looks very American. It is. I actually, I kind of like the American jerseys, to be honest. The part that I don't like about them, which you can't see from here, is the back. Because the back, they just stuck an actual American flag. And it doesn't work with the rest. I just would have put nothing. Uh, they've, you've got all the stars and stripes on the front. You don't need that flag to tell anybody what country they're from. And I find that that actually, this will get us in trouble in the States. But if they just got rid of that American flag, like it would look better. <laughs> just put a big bald eagle on it, you know? <laughs> And I know we're running long here, but I got to get a, we got to get a few words in here about the American team here. First of all, Matt Hamilton, who I thought was in the Super Bowl. He's like Mr. Congeniality of this Olympics. I know. I, uh, I have to say, I, I really enjoy watching him. Uh, he reminds me of like Ben Hebert and John Morris combined <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like the intensity. And he gives his thoughts like he's kind of running the game. Uh, but you know what? It works for them. They they all get along with it. And uh, I don't know. He's quite a character in a sport that could use more characters. Yes, definitely. And even the color commentators are loving him. Maybe the other guy talks too, but Matt's got such a distinct voice that uh, I feel like he's offering his input a lot, which normally I'm against, but I don't know. It's some, It works for me. When you think of what an American middle-aged man looks like, 
like he kind of fits that stereotype. Not, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but like you would not mistake him for a Swede, let's say, or an Italian. You know, like he no, looks. You would mistake him for a football player. Yeah, like he looks American. Um, yeah, but no, it's great, and I think uh, curling too for a sport that has a reputation of being a little boring at times. Um, it's nice to have uh, some personalities uh, represent the sport. Exactly. Especially now at this time when the whole world is watching. It's good to see. And just one more thought on this. Um, I guess that I mentioned that Matt Hamilton reminds me of a football player. And, you know, just like this can be our closing thought just to bring it full circle and talk about the Super Bowl one more time is that one thing that really sucks in Canada is that we cannot watch the Super Bowl commercials you can watch and uh, you will get ads for Tim Hortons and Quest Trade. And uh, just like when we're watching curling, it's just as bad. And we miss all the million dollar ads, but we can look them up on YouTube. And so I spent a bit of time today looking some of them up and just very quickly, a couple of comments. I think there were like eight of them that involved some kind of crypto thing. Right. That was the big thing. Also, I believe Peyton Manning was in every second commercial. There must be some kind of contract that Peyton Manning has to appear in at least eight Super Bowl ads. And so all I can say is we got to get Peyton Manning curling. Mm. You know how we were talking about getting Tom Brady when he retired? I don't know. I think we got to get Peyton in, in on this. Okay, and, let's start that. And because uh, everything he touches turns to gold. So I don't know. I think that's uh, I may have just solved curling's uh, marketing problem. There you go. We'll start the campaign uh, to get Peyton Manning to start curling that's it not eli though eli would hog his rocks <laughs> <laughs> all right bye <laughs>